going into the characters, he is a wet piece of bread. <laughs> <laughs> what? Wait, hold up, hold up. Welcome to Red Pill, Blue Pill, an open discussion podcast about all things film. We're your hosts, Kat and Finn. Welcome back, guys. This is episode eight of RPVP. So we're getting close to episode 10 and we have uh, kind of a surprise for you guys for episode 10. So sit tight because it, it, it's coming soon. Um, but today we have another episode of film or fuck I love movies the best uh, acronym that Kat <laughs> and I have ever come up with. Um, and today we're going to talk about a particularly interesting film. It's on the sci-fi realm, and it's one that Kat absolutely hates. <laughs> it's oh, yeah. called uh, Ex Machina. So I'm going to read off, uh, off of IMDb. The logline is, a young programmer is selected to participate in a groundbreaking experiment in synthetic intelligence by evaluating the human qualities of a highly advanced humanoid AI. It's directed by Alex Garland, and the stars are Alicia Vikander, Donald Leeson, and Oscar Isaac. So with that said, I'm going to let Kat take the floor and, and just start us off, Kat. What, what did you think overall in terms of like the actual elements of the film? Okay. I just want to start, like, start off by saying like I feel like I'm watching a different movie from everyone. Like Literally everyone I talked to about this movie, they're like, oh, it's great, it's great, it's great. I feel like I'm watching a different movie. That's why I wanted to talk about it. I guess, like Freya was saying, I'm going to start like more like the basic technical stuff of the film. And I wanted to really start off with the characters. Let's start off with the simple. <laughs> Why do you hate the movie, Kat? Why do you actually not like it? One, I feel like everything that I've learned about like storytelling, like the do's and the don'ts, this film does all of the don'ts. Yeah, and it doesn't do it in a way to like oh, I'm going to break the rules to do something amazing and cool. Like, it breaks the rules and, and ends up flat on its face. Like, it's terrible. Okay, can you give me an example? Like, I would say the beginning is the biggest no-no I've learned in film. Like, one of, like, the, fir- like, the first opening sequence is just, like, shots of, like, the office and, like, where he's working and this, that, and the other. And it's, like, him winning the, the lottery, right? Right. And it's... It's supposed to be like his character introduction, but like I don't feel like it tells us anything or like it's trying to like force us to be like, this is who he is, this is who he is without really showing us anything. It's like, here's his, he's an office nerd, won the lottery BS, but like we don't know him, we don't know who he is and it never picks off from that. Like going into the characters, he is a wet piece of bread. You can't talk about my man, Donald Gleason, like that. <laughs> I'm kidding. I love him as an actor. I think he's phenomenal in the film. Oh, I don't doubt it. Like, I, I 100% believe you. But his character in this film, all the characters, he's a wet piece of bread. Like, he has no personati- personality. Like, the first time I saw the film, I swore he was the robot, you know? Oh, okay, I see. And then Oscar Isaac, who I didn't even recognize. I, I didn't know that was him the first time. He's a wet piece of bread dipped in alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. I feel like all the things that I've learned about character is like, you know, you show them doing things. You show them like interacting with other people to show who they are. But like, I feel like this film is like trying to force us and telling us this is who they are. This is who they are without being creative about it. 
if you know what I mean. Okay, so you're just saying like they, they were more kind of like spoon feeding the character development and the character descriptions more than showing it through the actions of the characters. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Yes. And then, oh God. <laughs> Ava, Ava. I think her name is very a kind of like an illusion also because it is spelled A-B-A, but the way that it's pronounced Ava is very similar to Eva, which mm -hmm. is Eve in Spanish. And I think it's like, you know, first woman, first AI or whatever. Um, yeah. Which, which I thought was an interesting way of putting it, right? Because it's like, well, okay, is this like a new beginning for humanity or is it the end of humanity? And she represents a lot of that, right? I don't know. I feel someone, I'm not going to say who it was, described Ava as perfect. And I was thinking about it watching the movie again. And I don't, I don't understand if they mean Ava is like the perfect character, the perfect woman, the perfect AI. And thinking as Ava as a character, I don't think she's a good character. I don't think she's a good AI. I don't think she's a, a good woman, you know, all wait, these wait, different why? topics. When you say like she's not a good AI, what what is a good AI? Like is Terminator a good AI? Yeah, he saved the world, right? Ava. <laughs> <laughs> Ava came out here to fuck shit up. Like I understand they're trying to be like, oh, they're trying to prove she is you know, the next involvement, you know, whether machinery, technology, human beings. But again, like the twist of the movie, spoiler alert, is that, you know, she betrays, what's his name, Caleb and Nathan and, and kills them and this, that and the other for her to escape. And, and yet, like, we're supposed to be rooting for her. We're not supposed to be rooting for her. It's very strange. And I feel like the director, he was trying to accomplish so many things, but fl landed flat and and by accidentally doing that i feel like he he opened this doorway to other conversations that i don't feel like everyone's seeing or if it's just me or or i don't know and we'll, we'll go to that a little bit later on the, in the episode okay no i just want to talk a little bit more like the story and like the themes in the story okay yeah let's talk about themes i like that one Mm -hmm. The reason why I thought it was effective when it comes to being a sci-fi movie and being, you know, one of these kind of like genre films, right, is the fact that they build this idea of this highly functional AI that's capable of understanding empathy to a level that no other AI has done before, right? But the fact that she betrays them at the end means that even though she's able to fully understand the idea of human empathy, she's not able to apply it to herself or to internalize it into a way for her to feel it, right? Mm -hmm. Which to me is a really interesting concept because it's like, how much can you teach a program to like behave and fully understand human qualities? And does that mean that it's able to feel those qualities, right? Those are two different things. One is full knowledge over the idea and the other one's actually internalizing and feeling that idea. And so I was like, oh, okay. So are people just also, <laughs> their empathy is learned. It's not really internalized, which goes back a little bit, I guess, to what you said about them being wet pieces of bread, <laughs> right? Yeah. So like, if you see it from the AI's perspective, like if we're looking at the movie from Ava's perspective, she never really truly understands either person, right? She understands how to manipulate them, but never really sees them as people the way that people see people, right? True. So, I mean, I thought that was that was a really smart way of doing it, but I don't know. I don't know what that has to necessarily say about <laughs> the future of AI, right? Yeah, I get where you're coming from with that theme. I've, I guess for me, I, I, you know, he's using like the classical themes, you know, man versus man, man versus nature, 
man versus machine, right? These, you know, these three classical tropes. But again, <laughs> like he's trying to, like all of us, whenever we're making a story, like we're not reinventing the wheel. We're taking these elements and trying to rebuild it to make it at least feel unique, right? And I feel like he's trying to do this and he fails with each theme over and over again. Particularly with like the man versus nature part. Like, of course, the house is a huge metaphor. It's stuck, in, you know, in the middle of the woods. It, a lot of the, like, the little sequences are broken up with like these beautiful shots of nature and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I don't feel like it's adding anything to the film. Whether I think like the editing's very, very weird doing that. Like it wants to show us like it, like after each session, like with Ava, they go like and they show us the mountains and the trees and the river and the. Da, 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 da. But I'm gonna play devil's advocate with you. For go ahead, episode, go ahead. This is fun. Um, but I think in terms of like the placement, right? You know, this is going back to the whole coolest shot effect, right? The the shot with shot makes more meaning than the shots themselves. And if we're thinking placement, if he did it after the sessions, right? Which I don't fully remember exactly the the sequence, but. To me, it would mean like it would be a direct comparison to to the question of is Ava not being a natural being a detriment to the natural world, right? Like, does her existence put everything else in danger, or does it help it, right? And I feel like it's a it's a dilemma that you kind of struggle with as a, as an audience member, as a viewer throughout the entire movie up until the end, when you fully believe that that Ava is is not only dangerous but more powerful than anyone really understands her to be right Mm -hmm. and which is kind of like also a comparison to nature as a whole right because if you think of the ocean and you think of of of, uh climate change natural disasters stuff like that they're also a danger to humanity so to me like the bringing the nature thing would be like Ava's large sense of power and a large sense of of impact on humanity might even be worse because since she's you know created by man uh, she can <laughs> she can be a lot worse than what a natural disaster would be, right? Which is really scary to think, right? Because if you see Ava and you, you see Alicia Vika there, she was really young too when she made the movie. Yeah, she was. And, but she looks innocent as hell. Like, you can't tell me, you can't look at Alicia and be like, okay, she's harmless. You know, like, she's fine. She's a good, she's a good girl, right? <laughs> and then you see what she's capable of doing, and you're like, oh, my God. You know, and that's part of her, her manipulation. That's part of her power. You know, her ability to manipulate what you think of her into, into a weapon, right? Yeah. And so I'll, that's the argument for me for the nature part. But what about the other ones that you said that uh, Garland wasn't effective at? Again, like uh, the man versus man aspect. Uh, obviously, Caleb versus himself and his own feelings. Caleb versus Nathan. He's a wet piece of bread. He has no personality. Like he's he's just floating. Like it said throughout the movie. Like you were picked because you're what the common denominator of human beings. I don't know, but. Like, he has no personality. He's obsessed with this robot that, that he doesn't know anything about. And then again, like, it was to the point where I swore he was the robot. I 100% was prepared for that twist, and it never came. Right. I mean, I guess that makes him, like, the perfect candidate for this type of interaction, right? A highly manipulative AI or a highly trained AI to understand what, what you know, the person needs and tries to, you know, move them according to that. And you have someone that's intrinsically not very conflicted, right? He's not, 
like you said, he's he's kind of a black character, uh, but I think that actually kind of maybe helps the story. I feel like his <laughs> his flatness, if you will, or his lack of of depth as a character makes him easier to move than you would a more complex character that has you know more internalized uh, convictions about certain things, right? Yeah, of course. You can also say about uh, Oscar Isaac's character, which is the one who created him. He's very flat as well, right? Both of their motivations and their fears are very clear, which makes it easy for her to determine what it is she needs to do to in order to play on those fears, to play on those wants, and to mm-hmm. eventually you know escape. And so they are kind of flat. I, I will hundred percent agree with you on that. But I feel like that's also part of the reason why he was quote unquote picked for the experiment because he's he's like prime for for this type of interaction. Um, but yeah, okay, okay. Next one, next one. Uh, man versus ma- machine. Obviously, you know we have Ava, but then we also have like um, I think her name is Yoko, right? At the end, she turns out to also be like a prototype AI. Yeah. And again, it's. He plays it out, obviously, with Ava having contempt for Nathan being her creator, keeping her in this box. But, like, when has your computer, like, ever yelled at you for keeping it in, in your room, you know? Like, I just don't get it. I, when has Google been, like, mad at you for, for whatever? Maybe, maybe it's not smart enough yet. I don't know. You don't know what Alexa codes like behind the scenes. She might be like <laughs> gossiping with Siri about how horrible we are to them, you know? Right. They might be listening right now. Right? No, for sure. 100%. I'm going to get a, a, like an ad for this later <laughs> for something we talked about. Then there's like the actual physical fight, right? In the end where both of the, the, the robots turn on, on Nathan and they kill him. Like, I don't know. I just thought it was just ridiculous i don't know it's the, the actual act of killing mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like nonsensical bullshit to be honest <laughs> <laughs> i mean but I, I guess do you feel like it would have been uh an equally satisfying ending had she not killed nathan that i'm not sure of but then again like she didn't kill caleb she trapped him in a room where he eventually will die you know So, like, what's the difference? Okay, here's the thing. I think, okay, that's, I think Garland or whoever wrote it. I don't know who the writer is. Oh, he is. Okay. Yeah, he is the writer. Um, So, uh, congratulations, dude. You did did both things. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, but what I'm saying, that part to me was, like, I know, he was very smart. Because the fact that she didn't kill Caleb, right? In this case, Donald Mm -hmm. Mason. uh, And locked him in makes you think that she might have empathy, okay. right? Because he he didn't trap her, right? He didn't create her. He's just another, almost like a victim of the system as well. He's, he's another experiment for, a, what's Oscar Isaac's character again, Nathan? Nathan, I believe, yeah. Yeah, so I feel like in a sense, you could almost make the argument that Ava was empathetic for the fellow subject in Nathan's experiment, right? Mm-hmm. Which was Caitlin. But like you said, we know how airtight that that like that house is, right? So you know yeah. for a fact that he's not getting out of that door. Like he's gonna die, right? So the fact that Garland decided to have him be locked in to me was just another manipulation, almost or like an illusion of the manipulation that Ava's been doing. But yeah. with him as a director for the audience, right? She's like, oh, she's empathetic. Not just kidding, right? Or I'm just gonna put it here, and I'm gonna let you think about it, right? And if you think about it, like audiences that don't actually sit and have a conversation about this movie might actually make the argument that Ava was empathetic, right? Yeah, 
No, I guess I want to transi- transition more, I guess. Like, like I was mentioning, like he tried to do all these things and failed. And by failing, I feel like he opened avenues to different interpretations that I feel weren't originally like a part of the script or like his idea. Like for me, <laughs> like I found not like a lot of parts of the script to be one racist and sexist. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I think... I mean, are you talking about specifically about Nathan? Nathan as well as the script. Just, like, the regular conversations that um, both Caleb and Nathan have together. Right. Mm-hmm. True. I mean, do, do you think it's, like... I mean, the way that I took it, because I, I, I... The way that the script is also where it is very, like... I can make allusions to The Lobster from, from episode one. Go check yeah. it out if you haven't listened to it. But it, the way... <laughs> the way that... Um, that Lanthimos decided to do the script, right? And do kind of like this really weird uh, way of, of, of conversing and just like not really flow, like not have a normal conversation adds to the story. I feel like the, the comments or the way that they handled the script is also very kind of like sticking to a trope or sticking to a specific character uh, stereotype almost. Yeah. It, to make the characters more, even more flat or even more easy to, to figure out or easy to decipher, right? Because to me, Nathan is like the, the egotistical, self-absorbed inventor that thinks he can manipulate and do whatever the hell he wants when in reality, he's not in control, right? And, sure. and, and Caleb's character is almost kind of like the same idea of the typical, uh, I don't know what's going on boy, right? That's just <laughs> slightly passive. <laughs> Slightly, you know, going with the flow and not really realizing what's going on with the world, but at the same time, he's highly involved in it and he's highly responsible for a lot of the, you know, outcomes that happen. Yeah. And both of those characters, I could say, are very stereotypical or very uh, basic when it comes to like character development. When you're thinking of a story, those are, in my opinion, like the building blocks, right? Do you want yours to be like, you know, the crazy scientist? You know what I'm saying? I forgot the trope, but yeah. Uh, but to me, those are the characters you start with. And then you like develop their conflicts and their, you know, make them a little bit more complex and make mm-hmm. them a little bit more unique. And both of them, to me, were just extremely generic and they followed every single trope to the T, oh, right? Sure. Which is highlighted in the in the way that they do the script and highlighted in the way in which they say like comments and the, and the, the way that they refer to Ava and to themselves and to each other. And so I think that was on purpose. But mm-hmm. I don't know if, if taken a slightly out of context, it they might <laughs> seem a little bit more. It, it might take you a little bit out of it. I think. I think you're right in that sense. No, yeah, I guess like Yoko, like I think we've seen like her stereotypes, stereotypes so many times, like the hot Asian chick, you know, who doesn't speak English and is down to fuck whenever. And no, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. And, like, the one, like, sex scene between, like, her and Nathan, like, happens right after they have a conversation about, like, whether or not, um, like, Ava can feel pleasure and, like, even orgasm. And at the end, when we find out that she is a robot, like, it's not romantic. It's very abusive, being the fact that, like, he's supposed to be, like, her quote-unquote employer. And she doesn't even, like, speak English. Like, how is she supposed to consent to this, which is even crazier. Right. But what's the, like, what's the point? you're trying to make exactly i don't know it's to me whether it's it was on purpose or not like we're past this <laughs> as you know as a society as a film people it's 
it is oh, tired, it's old. I mean, I didn't have that much of a problem with it. Like I understood the the way that the story is presented, right? Mm-hmm. And the way that the world is made is is kind of like not dystopian, but highly segmented and highly separated yeah. from what I would consider an ideal society. Um, and in terms of empathy, right? Which I think is the theme of this whole thing. So I think that whole, like even the, the, the Yoko incident, right? And the way that they talk about Ava and the way that Ava was designed in the first place, right? And she's yeah. literally an object, right? But to me, that was the whole point of the movie. That was the whole idea of like this idea of, of not having empathy for other people. In this case, a, into a sci-fi story, right? Mm-hmm. Of man versus machine. Is really a question about like what how empathetic is today's society like are we really like nathan who is essentially a human being right but you can make the argument for both caleb and nathan that they behave like robots in the sense that they don't treat each other with empathy and they see yoko and um and eva as objects right which is i feel like an illusion also to objectification of other people etc cetera, etc cetera, right and so I think it, it's it's a social commentary put into a sci-fi movie. And I think in my case, in my opinion, I think it was done effectively because I don't think they did it to be sexist, but more of like raise the question of is society today really as human as we believe ourselves to be, right? Um, which was my takeaway, but I, I kind of see where you're coming from. So it really depends on like how you look at it. No, yeah, I guess to be, your devil's advocate <laughs> since you've been mine the whole time um i don't i don't know i feel that in in and of itself is problematic because i think one of like the big conversations um that they have is again is ava flirting with him is was she programmed to flirt with him and then ultimately when nathan raises up like yeah she can have sex you know he literally created the quote unquote perfect female body and what he thinks or what, you know, them to perceive as, a, you know, as a perfect human body. Right. But that's, that's what I find so interesting. Like the fact mm-hmm. that the human is dehumanizing more than the AI itself. Yeah. Is, is, a, is you know, a question to be raised, right? For it's, sure. it's that foil between how human are the humans and how AI is the AI. Yeah. <laughs> and so it, I thought that was... I, I, I don't know. I don't have an issue. I think that was the main point of it. But, you know, we would have to bring Alex onto the podcast. <laughs> and ask him, right? Alex, if you're listening, please settle this out for us. <laughs> what was the actual point of your dialogue? <laughs> no, seriously. And, but but it, it is. this is why I like these type of movies, right? This is why sci-fi is so interesting to me sometimes. Because it's a very good way of putting a questions that are difficult to answer. In a, in a format that is easy to digest and that's entertaining and that makes you look at things different, right? Mm-hmm. And, and let alone in terms of like, I kind of, uh, I'm going to deviate a little bit, but I really want to mention this. Just the fact that uh, the, 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 the VFX of this movie were just like insane. Because um, this movie came out in 2016 and I think it won the Academy Award for VFX, which yeah. to me was insane. Because I got mad because when I saw that it was going against like uh, The Force Awakens, right, from Star Wars okay. and Mad Max and some other one, I was like, the amount of, of 
software and, and like, you know, special effects that needs to go into those movies, like The Force Awakens and Mad Max, in my opinion, was so much more intense, right? Oh, yeah. Than, than Ex Machina, right? And Ex Machina was only like a $50 million film, like compared to Terminator, which was not the 84 version, but like the 90s version. Yeah. It's like uh, $200 million or $100 million. And this one was only made with $15 million. So I was like, they don't even have the budget. <laughs> <laughs> to be like super insane with the special effects, right? But what's interesting, and I found out later because I looked it up, and there's like one scene that I think it's the reason why it won the Academy Award. And it's like this shot of Ava, like showing Donald Gleason a picture that mm-hmm. she drew or that he drew, I don't remember. Um, but the way that the AI has to move in order for it to look realistic is like, millimetric like the way that you hold a paper as a human being you're always constantly moving and if you didn't move your arm like that like someone would automatically notice it and then the the effect would be lost so they had to like literally move her arms (laughs) which are like you know computer generated like millimetrically so that it looked like she was a human and that to me like also talking about AI and about a movie about artificial intelligence was like, okay, fine, we take the cake. I understand, you know? So even in that sense, I feel like this movie kind of took their whole, uh, you know, computer, like computer help or like computer learning to the next level, right? Because they needed help from technology, like new technology, and they needed to like develop new technology in order to tell the story. So I thought that was just a little fun Easter egg to just drop in here that that I thought was, you know, (laughs) interesting to mention. Um, But overall, okay, let's let's start um, kind of wrapping this up in terms of of recommendations, which we do at the end of every episode. And would you recommend this movie? Yes or no? No, don't waste your time. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Maybe we have to just watch it again. We'll watch it with Siri and Alexa and then ask them what they think. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> anyway. Anyways, final thoughts, Kat. No, yeah, again, you know, maybe it's just me. I didn't enjoy it. If you like sci-fi, maybe you will. You know, that's the whole premise of the show, right? <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. No, this was great. This was a lot of fun. And I feel like this is the one where we deviate the most in opinion, which allows... um you know, conversation to flow a little bit more. So if anybody, whoever, I, I'm genuinely curious, like you guys follow us on Instagram. If you, whoever agrees with cat, please just put a cat on the comments. <laughs> please. <laughs> and then, uh, and then we'll see. Cause like for most people that I've talked to, they don't even go this deep. I think it's an interesting way to, to think about how, you know, the responsibility of taking, telling the story is also important, right? Oh, yeah. um, so, I mean, my final thoughts are Amazon is going to take the world. Oh, <laughs> thank you for free shipping. And that's, <laughs> that's pretty much my final thoughts. And if you like sci-fi, I think this is a really interesting one. It's one of the newest ones, too. It came out in 2016. So I, I think um, in terms of like, you know, if you've already watched all the Terminator movies, <laughs> you might as well watch this one. I really like performances. I think at least everything that is phenomenal. Uh, so is Oscar Isaac and Donald Gleason. I would give an Oscar for every movie he's ever made. Um, so, <laughs> so I would, I would highly recommend if you enjoy acting and just you know the dynamism and this whole idea of like being trapped in a house and when the entire story develops throughout just one setting. And um, that's also I think well well done. So overall, 
those are my final thoughts um so yeah um check us out again like fair mentioned on instagram rpvp podcast we're on spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts. hopefully we'll catch you on the next episode this podcast is brought to you by no one are your chipotle please sponsor us before someone else does voiced by your hosts katherine mairena and fernanda lamuna original music by alec drieth and sadiq dasun graphic design by natalie mairena Copyright 2020, RPVP Podcast.